This is the Learn Learn More Podcast with Frank and Frank. Each week, we talk to members of our Moore County community, leaders of nonprofits and businesses, members of government and education, maybe some who might just be called characters, really anyone who can deepen our understanding of Moore County. And And now, the Learn Learn More More Podcast. Today's podcast features Laura Beth Jones a licensed occupational therapist, and a certified nature and forest therapy guide. Laura, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to learning more about the field of nature and forest therapy. Thank you, Frank and Frank. I'm so delighted to be here with you all today. It's great. Well, tell us first a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, different experiences that got you here. Certainly. Well, the story of how I came to Moore County and the story of what I do here are a bit interwoven, so I'll share that with y'all. I was born and raised in Wilmington, North Carolina, right down the road, and my mother was an educator, and she comes from a um, long history of people who were from Eastern North Carolina and lived very closely with nature. And she wanted her children to grow up with sort of a um, an access to nature, to mm-hmm. the freedom and the exploration, the creativity of nature. So my daddy built us a house about 100 feet from Howe Creek, which is a tidal marsh um, in Wilmington because it's a coastal town. And so as a child, I grew up with my neighborhood friends and we were in the tidal marsh um, just about every day. And we were fishing and just exploring and finding all types of critters and just loving the magic of the marsh. And when we weren't in the marsh, we would be in the forest and exploring there. And that's really where the seeds of my relationship with nature, my personal relationship, were planted. Well, I grew up and I attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where I studied American Studies. Hmm. And then after I graduated, I moved out west and I had the opportunity to work with the United States Forest Service Hmm. for several years in western states. And at that time, I had um, what I'll call the privilege and the luxury of spending a lot of time uh, deeply immersed in nature, usually in the forests, uh, mountains, deserts. I spent a lot of time in nature, and it was just wonderful, and I felt very at home there. And I had a great time. It was so much fun, and I learned so much. But then there came a time where I was ready to go back home. And for me, um, something I've always been interested in as a child is health and wellness, because I I have a sense that health is a very sacred thing. And so I've always been interested in in my health and in the health of the people around me and in supporting that. So I went back to school to UNC to study occupational therapy and um, to receive a master's of science in, in occupational therapy. And when I got back to school, well, I was so excited to be there. 
it was a um, difficult program to get into and you know the UNC campus is so mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. and I was like this is just so cool that I'm here I was so excited and I remember um, the first week I think it was about the first week of classes I walked into the health sciences library to start working on some of my stuff now mind you I had just spent a lot of time in the woods Okay, so I had a bit of uh, what you might call like a little bit of a culture shock and, you know, to come to this very um, institutional environment. And when I walked in the library, what I saw were um, all of these people who were uh, very brilliant and very talented and very um, heart centered, caring people. And they were all um sitting at a table with their backbone curved like a shrimp, staring into a computer screen with like a real scrunched up look on their forehead. Okay, that's that's everybody. And I could just feel and sense the stress and the tension in this room. And and I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) I thought, um, I hope I don't get that stressed out. I don't I don't want to be that stressed out. Oh no. But Frank and Frank, I'm here to tell y'all that I did get that stressed out. We all did, okay? It was like just par for the course. And um at the same time, I just could not understand why Um, We were, as people, creating an environment and a situation that would cause that much stress for people because we know that stress is probably the most um, damaging thing for our health. But especially as healthcare professionals, we're supposed to know that, right? So why would we be creating this situation where everybody's so stressed out? These are the people who are trying to be the healthcare professionals. So I was just baffled. I was baffled by it. But being a Tar Heel, I dug my heels in <laughs> and I finished my program and um, I graduated. And um, I took some time. I, it was natural for me at that point to go back to Wilmington and kind of regroup and see, all right, well, now I've got my degree. Where do I want to go live and work? Well, when I got back home, I had visited here and there as an adult, but I'd probably been gone about 10 years. And what I found when I went back to Wilmington, I was very disheartened and um, because this rapid development of Wilmington had really taken hold over the past of the time that I was gone. And it really hurt my feelings because these forests that I had played in as a child that were so magical and so special to me had just been, um, you know, decimated and replaced with track homes. And um, it just seemed like every, you know, available square inch of green space was being paved and paradise was being paved and they were putting up a parking lot and that was really hard for me because it really affected my sense of place and my sense of home because it wasn't it didn't have the the um I guess the vibe that um I had you know experienced there as a child 
I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to bring it all back around. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, so, um, okay, so it really it really bothered me mm-hmm. that, um, you know, all these changes, because I remembered Wilmington as this kind of light and breezy town, um, kind of like it is here, and just relaxed, and just a nice, easy pace of life, and it had turned into this very hustling and bustling metropolitan mm-hmm. area, and I probably could have, you know, gotten past the development part, but beyond that, the traffic was of biblical proportions, okay? <laughs> it was just beyond what the town could hold, and it became very, um, it caused me a lot of anxiety and a lot of people I knew to, to get in the car and get from place to place. You know, we just weren't accustomed to dealing with that kind of traffic. So I was dealing with all that and trying to figure out where I wanted to live and work, and um one weekend, I decided to come to Moore County to visit some girlfriends of mine that I had met in graduate school. And I had never been to the Sand Hills. I'd spent a lot of time on the coast of North Carolina and in the Piedmont and the mountains, but I hadn't been to the Sand Hills. And when I pulled into town, I was immediately um, struck by this sense that this was a community that really appreciated the value of being integrated into nature and to keeping the forests and the green spaces and really um, and and appreciating the quality of life that that imbibes to us. And um, that was just the, the sense that I had. And it wasn't until later that I learned about the history of this area and how that was um, really sort of a historical um, framework for the development of these areas. But when I pulled in, I noticed that, you know, this this place really, these people really appreciate that natural aesthetic. And that felt very much at home to me. And um, so just intuitively, I was like, this is the place for me. And it's just a couple hours from home. So I moved here in 2018, and um, I was working as an occupational therapist. Since you are pausing, mm-hmm. I need to. I want to get on record. Mm. What is like the general definition of an occupational therapist? What is occupational therapy? That's a wonderful question. Yes. Occupational therapy is a holistic health profession that looks at the relationships that people have with the activities that we do in our daily lives that make our lives meaningful. So it's broadly applicable in a lot of different contexts. So for Children, for example, we might be looking at like their fine motor skills or their gross motor skills as they're developing. But for maybe older adults who maybe have been in the hospital, maybe had a surgery, we might be looking at dressing or um, even cooking, any type of meaningful activity that people engage with that can be impacted by um, some change in their health status. Those are the that's the area that occupational therapists address. But like I said, it is a very broad, um, a very broad field. And, um, you know, wellness, of course, is is one area of our of our daily lives that um, along with many other activities of daily living that occupational therapists help people with. 
Okay, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So I was working as an occupational therapist, Mm -hmm. and I loved the, the people that I was working with and working for. But this stress situation that I had told y'all about from graduate school, um, I guess I had kind of hoped like, oh, this is just a graduate school thing. And then, you know, after that, it's, you know, it's going to be different. Then we all relax. (laughs) Then we all relax. Exactly. (laughs) Then it's over. Yeah. Yes. But I was soon to find out that, oh, this is a systemic thing. This is big. Like this, we're just getting started here. And, um... And I, I mean, I am a, a bit of a delicate person, and I was thinking, I don't know if, how sustainable this stress is going to be for me over the long term. And one day I was laying on my couch, and my mind went back to that time that I had spent in the forests mm. with the Forest Service. And I thought about how good I felt and how good I slept and just my sense of well-being and how little stress I felt, although it was a stressful, you know, it could be considered a stressful position. Once I wasn't in the stressful moments, I wasn't thinking about them anymore. And um, I thought to myself, what would this world be like if everybody had the experience of spending time in nature in a very relaxing way and having that kind of relaxing, immersive experience in nature that can be so nourishing for our wellness. What if everybody had that? And at that point, the words forest therapy just kind of popped into my brain. And I did what probably any of us in this room would do, and I Googled, is forest therapy a thing? And that's when I discovered the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides and Programs. And I went on to become certified with them. And in 2020, I started my nature and forest therapy business practice. Laura, your, your journey is amazing. Thank you, Frank. I think you need to be a spokesperson for the forestry service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, uh, the experience that I had was like very um, impactful for me and really like, you know, made me who I am, you know. I'm so grateful that I had that experience. You can't get any more direct to the forest than what you were doing in fires. Deep. What, yeah, what did you do? I know Frank has his his cheat sheet and it's on your website, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I was doing wildland firefighting with the Forest Service. Mm -hmm. I started off in Oregon on the Deschutes National Forest, which is in Bend, Oregon, and that was wonderful. And the next season, I moved to Montana, and I was on the Beaverhead Deer Lodge National Forest Hmm. in Dillon, Montana. And then I decided that I wanted to see the desert. And so I went to the Tonto National Forest, um, which is in Cave Creek, Arizona, which is outside of Phoenix, Scottsdale, with all the saguaro cactus and that is desert ecosystem. Desert fires? Uh, uh, is that a big problem? Um, I mean, I guess it couldn't be a big problem, but it happens. It's definitely different. And then there's areas where the desert kind of um, moves into a forest. Or like the scrubland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Scrubland fires, I can imagine, would be pretty bad because of all the wind. Yes, the wind, and it is so dry, and it is so hot, and you have a lot of um, wildland, what we call wildland urban interface, where you've got people living out there. So, of course, right. that 
that makes it, you know, mm. a priority. And a lot of um, recreational areas, you know, camping and, mm-hmm. and where people go that we have mm. to kind of uh, keep an eye on, too, to protect. Hmm. Yeah, so um, let's talk about, about some of your mission now that you're working on in terms of uh, where you want your company to go and services to people. Sure. So I'd like to, I guess, start that with talking a little bit about what nature and forest therapy is and what forest bathing is. I use the terms forest bathing and nature and forest therapy pretty interchangeably. So we're pretty much talking about the same thing. And to define it, Just in simple terms, what it is, is immersing ourselves into nature to slow down and practice just a mindfulness of our sensory experiences in nature. So it's really an opportunity to step away from our technology and our devices and to tune into our senses and, and drop into our body and kind of we, we spend a lot of time in our minds, right? Thinking, thinking about what we need to do next, thinking about what just happened, planning. This is an opportunity to kind of really be present in the present moment and just open ourselves to receive what the forest environment can kind of um, give to us. And it comes from... Um, the way that I was trained, it comes from Japan. And in Japan, the term is Shinden-yoku. And that's where we get the term forest bathing. That's the direct English translation. And it's not about wearing a bathing suit or Mm -hmm. you don't even have to get wet. It's about just bathing our senses in nature and just really um, absorbing that atmosphere. They're very nurturing. Yes. And you, you can be fully clothed even. Please be fully clothed. Uh huh. <laughs> yes, yes, fully clothed. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. I have to no say, suits or anything like when that. I first heard the term, I don't know why I made the association of being in the nude, but I did. A lot of people do, Frank, and and um, to be frank, um, that's why I also make sure to call it nature and forest therapy because mm-hmm. this forest bathing it is a new term for a lot of people. Mm. However, it is, you know, kind of picking up. Um, it's getting more media attention and it is becoming more well known. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to use them kind of interchangeably so that there's no, you know, misconceptions yeah, about wor- words what it is. have connotations. They and, do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so forest bathing comes from Japan, where um, in the 1980s, following the tech boom, Many Japanese people were starting to lose their lives to overwork. And they would go to the doctors, and the doctors would prescribe to them spending time in nature and say, you need to go spend time in nature. And that's where this term Shinrin-yoku forest bathing came from. Mm. And um, since then, there's been a growing body of evidence, of um, scientific evidence and studies that show us just a very wide myriad of health benefits that we can receive from spending time in nature. So um, my, my mission with this business is just to help people to reconnect with that And especially in Moore County, we are so blessed with so much natural beauty 
and we have forests and areas that really are truly treasures. And in today's society, when we are so busy and we have, um, you know, we're in the information age, we have so much information coming at us. And my goal is to help people kind of just put that on pause for a minute and go reconnect with with what's real and with the the beauty and the sense of place that we have here that can really provide us with, um, well, it provides me with a sense of groundedness and rootedness, and I hope that it does for other people too. And um, and again, stress relief and relaxation is really the um, the main um goal of forest bathing if we are to even identify a goal you know sometimes when you walk in the forest it's clean and the air is really good you almost feel like you're breathing in some you know some nice not oils per se but that must be emitting something that is really relaxing and your your hearing is really in tune so is that some of that experience of identifying yes that's exactly what it is we're just really focusing on what our ears hear Mm -hmm. and what our nose smells and what our eyes see and um, Mm. it's a little bit different than um, like hiking although I love hiking and I do it quite often we're not really trying to get exercise or get anywhere where we want to just be more here and just really be in ourselves and um, it's interesting Frank that you you bring up the smells because one of the uh, mechanisms of action that this is believed to have uh, to be effective is, and the studies have been done that have shown that trees emit a chemical compound called a phytoncide. And a phytoncide is an antiviral compound that protects trees from getting viruses. And when we're in their presence, we breathe them in. And it actually boosts our natural killer cell count, which is an immune system cell. Mm. So it this is one way that it helps to that being in the forest helps to build our immunity is we're really the trees are sharing that with us. So take a deep breath. Yes. <laughs> yes indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you mentioned about hiking. So let's say uh I'm gonna go hike and identify a lot of birds today or you know, leaves on trees, really what you're saying is not going in for that same kind of purpose. You're you're more like going in for your senses, fully aware, not looking for a specific one item. Which kind of leads me to a question. When you do take somebody out, do you have a place, a, loca- a location that you say, all right, this is your space, be here, and then I'll come get you? How does that work? Well... Um, there's really no right or wrong way to do this. So it's people, I, when I lead and when I guide, I typically have sort of a, a path laid out of we're going to start here and then we're going to move there and then we're going to go there. And um, I tend to guide groups. I, I'm happy to do it with individuals and I love guiding individuals, but it's designed to be in a group environment. So um, we'll kind of be in a point in a place and then it works through invitations. So I'll invite folks to walk out, to wander out, and maybe, you know, look at the clouds or, you know, practice touching different things or some invitation. And then I'll typically play a flute song to 
as the the sign to come call, call everybody back to that place and then we have a time for sharing so there's a little bit of group process but also individual and um but if people you know if they want to go further i mean they're welcome to the only thing i ask is that people if they're you know if they leave just to let me know sort of an unstructured experience you're not set for a certain trail you can sort of branch off and wait till your senses can kick in yes exactly there's a loose structure and there's like a framework Mm -hmm. um but it's you're free to self-direct um so there's a lot of kind of just opportunities to really listen to your own internal voice and just see where you're guided you know if the butterfly catches your eye and you want to follow that you know you follow the butterfly or you know whatever happens out there that's 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 the magic of nature and um and i'm just kind of holding the space for it that's the magic of being present too you know so many times people are so focused like you say on their own internal dialogue and what happened and what will come but being present you can focus on what comes in front of you and and really experience as opposed to chasing after experience absolutely mm-hmm. i bet you see a transformation go through somebody i will say yes they get out of the car yeah yeah and then yes. after your journey different appreciation of what they just did Mm-hmm. after a few hours people are um, I usually see people are so relaxed, like they may get there and hop out of the car and, you know, be hustling and bustling. And then after a few hours, they're just, you know, easy breezy flowing. And we we do this for two to three hours because the research shows us that's how long it takes for our body's parasympathetic nervous system to kick in, which is our rest and digest state which is the state that we're meant to be well i believe we're meant to be in as humans most of the time but you know our our modern society a lot of people are in it we're in a little bit of fight or flight and um that's where kind of chronic stress comes from so this um this process really helps to elicit that parasympathetic nervous system response which is really helps us to to heal on a level and just get really nice and relaxed do you see advantages for sunrises or sunsets or any specific times of the day that might be encouraging for people mm-hmm. to be open themselves up? Mm-hmm. I love a sunrise and a sunset, and I spend a lot of time looking at research and um, you know things that the scientific community are, are saying, and I've read research that shows that spending time in a sunrise can really help us um, kind of reset or um, attune our circadian rhythm to what it kind of is naturally. Um, it can help us to sleep better, to 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 watch a sunrise and to have that level of that kind of wavelength of light to hit our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, sunsets are beautiful, too. And I just encourage everybody to um, to get outside. The last research that I read was um, what's recommended is two hours a week. This is minimum. Two hours a week in nature for at least 20 minutes at a time. That's kind of the, that's a prescription for spending time in nature for as a wellness practice. And 
people can do this. You can do this anywhere that there is nature. So, um, of course, you can go to it. We have lovely parks here in Moore County. You can go to a park. But you could also do it just in your neighborhood or anywhere there's a tree and a little patch of grass and um, anywhere there's any kind of nature, you can go spend some time um, just sitting there for 10 to 20 minutes and just kind of not doing anything else and just seeing seeing what you experience, seeing what you see, see what happens. So it sounds like uh, there's going to be a lot of self-discovery. If someone's never done anything like that, it's given them opportunity to, I say, look in the mirror, but that breathing and vision and all that kind of mm-hmm. senses kick in. So. Mm-hmm. It really can be a, a, a mini journey of self-discovery for people. Absolutely. When the, when you go on the outings, uh, do you need to, I know we're not taking our clothes off, but are, are there special clothes that would uh, let you, let that environment penetrate more like these uh, sunproof shirts? I mean, it's something that would really let mm-hmm. things come through. Is it like preferred dress code, but you know, mm-hmm. that might enhance the experiences? Well, I want everybody to be comfortable. And so I want them to wear what what they're going to be most comfortable mm-hmm. in. Um, if somebody were to want to do this with you, what would the mm-hmm. process look like? How would they, I mean, do, do they just give you a call or what is? Yes. Yeah, so it's very simple. Um, I can be reached through my website and that's laurabethjones.com. That's L A R A. B-E-T-H-J-O-N-E-S dot com. And there's a form on there where people can reach out. And I'm, I'm available in booking retreats for folks that have any type of group. Um, so that could be like a church or a nonprofit or a civic organization. Maybe businesses looking to invest in their employees' wellness because um, it's I know it's very important for businesses right now to keep our staff supported, to keep our employees, or even individuals um, who want to come out maybe with family or friends or maybe kind of a sort of a real laid back birthday party or um, um, real, real laid back birthday party, real laid back birthday party, real just zend out birthday party. Um, or even like the schools and the educational system, I'm looking at developing a curriculum for children. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm very easily reached through my website, laurabethjones.com. That's L-A-R-A. And folks can reach out through the website and we'll set up a time to talk on the phone. And and then what happens next? Like do that do you give them options? Do you do they choose a place? What is So what happens from there is I um you know, we talk and I determine sort of the objectives of the the person and sort of the dynamics of their group and what their group's needs might be. So for example, I worked with Pinnock Village and we did one for assisted living where we um you know just kind of stayed in one place and didn't have to move around too much. So I really look at the the unique needs of that group and what would best suit them. And I'll provide them with a few options and we just kind of talk through that and figure out, you know, what would, 
probably be best? Uh, do they want to go somewhere they've never been before? Would they rather go somewhere they're familiar with? We just kind of work, work that all out on a case-by-case basis. Laura, it's just fascinating that you take that introduction experience. And I bet you if one of your clients ever saw you a few months later, hey, Laura, look, I got some hiking boots. I mean, I bet you get a lot of satisfaction seeing people begin to really appreciate the nature in that experience. So uh, it's all positive. Thank you. That is really what's most meaningful for me is mm-hmm. is hearing people have such a positive experience with it. And in a time when there's so much stress, being able to provide a relief for people and to, you know, see that smile and this, this lightness come over them. Um, that's what makes this so special and meaningful for me and, and keeps me in it. Do you see people really enjoying this experience from a religious aspect or do you have people say, oh, wait a minute, I can't can't go there but so anybody in her religious kind of um interpretations that it may or may not have been aware of or? that's the wonderful thing about the way that i was trained is it's designed to um really to include whatever your faith perspective is it's not it's not going to mess with that so i think that um you know, people's spiritual and religious beliefs, it's like a very personal, individual, unique thing. And a lot of people in nature and accounts all over the world, a lot there's a lot of people that have spiritual or religious experiences in nature. And this is put forth in such a way as it's not going to um, it should only enhance whatever your personal belief system is. I'm, I'm not telling anybody what to believe. It should only, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, support what what's what, what's working for you. So it's okay to meditate by yourself in the forest. And yeah, the, the word enhance was coming to mind because I feel like being present should enhance whatever you already believe. And then, you know, to Frank's point, it allows for self-discovery. And then maybe you could learn something more about yourself or learn a different way, a different perspective, a different lens to see the mm-hmm. the world through and then enhance that, you know, just further enhance. And I find when I am, I, I think about being present in nature and it really allows me to expand my awareness and I feel more relaxed. I, I don't know. I just feel like I have a larger awareness My mm-hmm. coming from, being so focused and such a tight focus and my awareness is really on myself or in my mind or Mm -hmm. on my desk or at the computer screen but being present and expanding that awareness just i don't know that's trying it's a good thing to to try and do all the time i think but it's it's hard in a room yes you know you can only expand your awareness so far i mean i'm looking out the window but I can only expand my awareness to that window, through that window or in this room. And so I'm, you know, being in nature is where you can really get it out, mm-hmm. really be there. And, mm-hmm. That long range vision mm-hmm. and just getting input from all your senses at once. Mm-hmm. Hear and, the bird from wherever it might be. Uh huh. Do you have situations where there are kids that might have had some uh, discipline issues or maybe some of these wilderness camps where children uh, could be exposed in a proper way and have that be a positive effect on them, you know, 
getting out of that hump. So do you mm-hmm. see uh, for for just offering services to youngsters or older folks, whoever, may need to really get better in tune with this natural experience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that something you see maybe some of your partnerships of beginning to understand what you can offer for everyone and benefit? Or, and to piggyback on that, is that something that you said you were certified? Is that something that the uh, program that you went to, is that something that they do in a larger capacity with other therapists uh, across the country? In terms of working with children? Uh, working with children, and Frank was mentioning the... Uh, out, outdoor. Like the program. retreat yeah. programs. I don't know. I'm just wondering yeah so the 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 association that i was certified with that's really um sort of directed towards adults it's very open to children for me personally i've spent a lot of years and i still work as a pediatric occupational therapist so i work with a lot of children and i have seen um especially in children with special needs that being outside in nature it's just um such a calming and regulating place for them and there is a theory that's called the attention restoration theory and frank you were kind of just speaking to this a little bit earlier when kids are learning or when anytime we are directing our attention and our awareness to a very um what we call a narrow focus so looking at a computer screen or reading a book or we're really focusing on one little thing there's a contrast that when we're spending time in nature it's a very broad focus it's a very soft focus so what happens when we spend time in nature is that um, according to the attention restoration theory Enjoying that broad, soft focus kind of fills your reserves up so that then you can go back to that narrow focus um, where your, you know, your attention is very much pinpointed on on one thing. And um, I find, especially with, with children with special needs, I work with a lot of kids with sensory needs and they have a very difficult time with fluorescent lights, for example. Mm. But I haven't ever worked with a child who did not um, participate uh, or whose response and participation outdoors was nothing but enhanced and and, and improved by by being outside in nature. It sounds like it provides a clarity that might help someone lead to some self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. So maybe a confidence builder? I hope so. Mm -hmm. It also seems to me like thinking about children with discipline issues because you know there may have been uh an adult or two that would have said that about me um that you know being I think he, a, es- he escaped one from in his wilderness <laughs> <laughs> uh, being in that sort of unstructured environment or loosely structured environment mm-hmm. that has no set goal that some an adult is guiding a child towards could be really beneficial for them um, to build confidence to build you know build on I don't I don't know the word I'm looking for but you know as opposed to being 
guided away from something that they're focused on that they find interest in yes. they're allowed to focus yes. on that and they're allowed to pursue that interest yes and you know and just really really gain something positive from that mm-hmm. and just like you said yes follow those natural attractions that arise in nature and you know there's really not i mean of course safety you know I have to look out for safety but to be able to just explore nature as a child can be so liberating, um, and it just gives children that opportunity to not be yes so um, not have to follow so many rules. You know that's that's hard <laughs> yeah. for children. Mm-hmm. You know there's so many things they they got so much energy and they just want to just let it all out. But you know we we tell them they have to sit there and not talk and listen. And it, this is a chance for them to really really naturally express themselves mm-hmm. in a like safe mm-hmm. context where it's appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe there's been a, a, a that missing in a lot of children's lives in the past Mm -hmm. 15 years maybe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so hopefully it is gaining more steam Mm -hmm. i believe it is and we're we're really seeing a um a movement towards a lot of um forest kindergartens and outdoor preschools we have several of them here in moore county um and farm preschools and and educational um opportunities for children where they can really yes self-direct and learn and i guess sort of alternative ways for kids to learn because children especially and i think adults too you know we learn by doing like it's it's one thing to sit in a classroom and have read it in a book and have somebody tell you something and it's quite another to experience it through your own senses and those are the things that we we don't forget is the things that we have experienced and so i think experiential learning um can be you know, just such a powerful educational tool. What about uh, just your fingers and dirt and water, which are all elements, but I mean, kids may, oh, they're wet. Or would there be some benefits to having those experiences? Absolutely. So as a pediatric occupational therapist, one of the things that I work with with children is um, – looking at their sensory systems and sensory defensiveness. Sometimes kids can um, have uh, be really irritated and get very upset by different sensory sensations. But um, if in one of the practices that I do as an OT, if I'm, if we are kind of gently exposing them at their own pace, then they can learn to tolerate you know, um, dirty hands or muddy feet or something like that. And then that can um, really help integrate their sensory system so that they can um, stay calm and and regulated and and be able to interact with their environment um, from a balanced place. Mm -hmm. It gives a whole different perspective of of what just a new century experience. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, too, you know, you did all the neat work out west and the forest fires and and, you know, you hear forests can make a lot of, they have a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if you're seeing fire and volume of nature's intensity. And, I mean, what was that like? Does that just... I love nature's intensity. Um, I grew up in Wilmington, and we had hurricanes as a child. And 
I was so fascinated by these high winds and all this rain. And it's just, um, it's always been phenomenal to me. And so the fire was so beautiful. Hmm. It was so beautiful um, and just magical and amazing and so hot. And um, I remember, you know, I have one memory at night and, you know, the, the fire burned over this hillside and, hmm. um, but it was mostly out, but there were all these, you know, little smaller fuels burning hmm. everywhere. And at night, it was just gorgeous because there was this, you know, it's this dark mountain with this, these little patches of orange glowing all over. And it was just, it was so beautiful. I remember it was the 4th of July. And I remember thinking this was like nature's like happy birthday, America, like birthday cake, you know, just these, these, this fire um, on the mountain like that. And I, I just thought it was beautiful. I really did. Cause it's so big and it's so vast and it's like so powerful and, Mm-hmm. That honest experience that you had really makes you calm now, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh huh. I mean, you've been to that extreme, and mm-hmm. I mean, now your view at walking into the forest is totally a different appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so, having others try to experience that without a fire, mm-hmm. and there is uh, encouragement. Mm-hmm. I feel very, very comfortable in the forest. There's really nothing in the forest that scares me. Hmm. I'm afraid of sharks, definitely. <laughs> what about the, uh, you know, when you hear rivers and streams going over, like you in the Smokies, and you, you hear that and you're by it, does that bring out a different uh, interpretation for you? Yes, I love that. So they say that um, this, there's three sounds that are supposed to be the most therapeutic nature sounds. One is moving water. I love moving water. Hmm. To me, it sounds like a little like music box, you know, it's so light and wonderful. The other is bird songs, of course. And then the other one is um do y'all want to guess what the leaves third one is? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. The rustle of leaves in the trees. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. And it's just, when you listen to that, it's just, you can't be stressed out. Yeah. You know? I was imagining fire would be one of them, but maybe, I guess, historically, that's probably not that comforting. <laughs> you know, now in our day and age, when we everything is so controlled, mm-hmm. it could be soothing. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking, I can't imagine seeing the, I, I was thinking a galaxy of little embers on the hillside like that be stunning. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then this, like the smoke and the particulate matter, the sunsets, and make mm. the sunsets like so beautiful too. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you had the confidence to go do that. Thank you. I mean, that your growing up experience in the forest and what took you over that edge, man. I want to go do the that. hurricanes. I bet. Well, I did love the hurricanes. And like I said, I grew up in the creek and in the woods. Um, so there's this is that story. <clears throat> After I graduated from UNC, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm ready to kind of spread my wings. I want to get out of North Carolina. So I did AmeriCorps my first year out of college, and um, I ended up in Bend, Oregon. Now, at that time, I did an AmeriCorps year writing grant proposals for a, um, a nonprofit, a Habitat for Humanity affiliate. 
And I just got out of college and I had this a desk job where I was looking at a computer and I was in like the outdoor recreation capital. I mean, it's it's an outdoor recreation mecca, really. I mean, everything in, in Central Oregon. There's the Deschutes River. There's Mount Bachelor. There's Smith Rock. I mean, it's just incredible. And to sit at the computer all day, y'all, it just hurt my feelings. Like I, And the work that I was doing was very special and very meaningful. And I loved the people I was working with. But it, I, I would just look out the window and I just couldn't take it, you know? like It's calling you. It was calling me. It was calling me. <laughs> I think me. we can relate. Yes. That's, that's, and then, and then, <laughs> okay. So then, so um, how this worked was, um, so I had some roommates, and I really didn't know anything about the Forest Service or wildland firefighting from Wilmington, North Carolina. We didn't deal with a lot of wildfires. We had the hurricanes, and but a lot of people around there. Um, work as wildland firefighters seasonally especially like to get through college or you know whatever Mm -hmm. um and there's not only is there the forest service but there's also like private contract crews and it's a kind of a common thing i'd never heard about it i i just thought you mean in oregon people do that okay Mm -hmm. because there's you know so many right and there's so much wilderness out there Mm. and all i knew about fire was just what i had seen on the news at home was you know um, tankers flying over, dropping retardant, and I thought, well, that's all you can really do, you know. <laughs> that's how that's how you fight wildfires. But some of my friends that I had met there, I was like, hey, what do y'all do? And they're like, we're wildland firefighters. And I'm like, wait, what is it that you do? And they told me what they did, and I was like, that sounds like so much fun. That sounds like that sounds really cool. And they're like, yeah, we love it. And um, so then I was like, do y'all think that I could do that? Because I'm not, you know, super strong. I mean, I'm in good shape, but I'm not like, you know, really like super strong. Okay. And um, and they're like, yeah, they're like, you can do it. There, there are ladies smaller than you that, that do it and, and, you know, that, that work this job. And so they're like, yeah, you could do it. And um, I, I stayed with that AmeriCorps and I was behind the desk for a year. And then I was like, well, Let's see if I can. Um, they they told me how they helped me get because the application process is like kind of hard to find because it's online and you have to know where to look. And they kind of helped me do that. And I was like, hey, you know, got nothing to lose. This will be fun. This will be something different. And um, and it was just so much fun. And and here you are. And here I am. Yeah. Yes. Well, Laura, I just have to ask. You are so diversified. And I saw on your website that you've made another high accomplishment of winning Mrs. North Carolina. And I just think that's another fascination. So it seemed like the fire and the nature brought you together in a culmination of a lot of experiences, which, uh, you know, took you to the next step. When, when was that? So I was the title holder of Ms. North Carolina, North America, 2022. So just last weekend, I um, gave the crown to the next title holder. So it was basically the past year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. it was wonderful. Congratulations on an anniversary of that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It was so fun, and I really got to... Um, 
it really was an opportunity for me to um, meet more people in the community and to find out more about all these different community groups that we have and to get involved. And um, for me, that was really the best part was the people that I got to meet as a result of wearing the crown. Seems like you would meet a lot of people because you go a lot of places and mm-hmm. I mean, you th- think of locally the um, the parades that happen downtown. There's always a title holder or or three, mm-hmm. as it were, um, in the parades. And so I, did, I guess you do that a lot as you're invited to do that a lot, probably at least. I did a lot of fundraisers. Um I was definitely invited to do a lot of fundraisers, which I really enjoyed because it was really positive for me to be able to go out and show support and to see so many people come together to to raise money for um, for people in need here in Moore County. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's neat, too, that you can meet so many people, but your appreciation of nature is a whole nother level, too. And so are you getting people on board is such a admirable thing to do, but lucky to have someone like yourself that can provide that opportunity it sounds like you really got to grow to get ready for you (laughs) really (laughs) but you've got to have a desire to go to to go through the nature experience Mm -hmm. you're a great leader and you would give them that opportunity so um, i just think it's very unusual and all great thank you i i do want to say you know i do have this firefighting background but this experience, the forest bathing experience, is very gentle. It's it's um, it is not extreme. Um, We're talking about the podcast experience. <laughs> it's um, yes, you don't have to be you know in super great shape, and and it, I think if folks are interested in nature and they like nature, you know, it's something, or, or they're ready or they're curious, then it's something that they'll you know likely enjoy. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it is probably a very good thing for a parent to do as well, especially of young kids. I can think about, you know, I take my kids out into the forest, but uh, being out there alone, you know, it's been a while since I was on the trail, but, you know, that sort of experience is probably very good for a parent. It makes me think maybe I should set aside some time to be alone in nature myself. Some peace. Mm -hmm. Peace. Mm Mm-hmm. So would you be supportive of like solo hiking as a way to really put you in a position of you not being distracted except by nature, mm-hmm. rather than all all groups, but possibly the the solo experience to have you having to deal with it right on head first in good ways. Mm-hmm. I think. As long as, you know, we have safety in place and everybody's safe Mm -hmm. and we know where we are and Mm -hmm. we know where we're going. I I really the experience of solitude in nature, I think, can be very profound. And um, I was raised in a Christian tradition, so I'm familiar with the Bible. And, you know, there's so many stories in the Bible of um, people, you know, going out solo in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. But um, and having a, you know really being able to commune with their higher power and but um just as a side note for forest therapy um you don't ne- for this what i'm talking about you don't necessarily have to be in the wilderness wilderness okay it's um anywhere where there's nature so you don't have to be way off the grid or i mean mm-hmm. you can be at a park or like mm-hmm. i said just somewhere mm-hmm. you know in your neighborhood where there's trees and stuff like that it doesn't have to be you know deep wild yeah, think of sitting in the yard. You know, exactly. you just 
take a second to look up because a lot of times I find that I don't look up. And when you do, it's a, just another perspective. And we have all these trees around here. And looking up, you'd be surprised at how much I'm surprised sometimes at how much just that shift in actual physical perspective can change the way I'm experiencing that moment. Totally. Mm-hmm. I read one time that when you practice long range vision, looking out over a long distance, like let's say you're on the top of a mountain or you're looking into the sky, that it actually releases dopamine huh. in your brain. Uh huh. No wonder I lo- I love walking across. <laughs> I mean, I say I say no wonder I love it, but I just do. I've always loved in down in urban environments. It's rare that you can do that mm-hmm. sometimes, but when you're walking, say, across the street in Pennsylvania, which we're right out in front of, you can look down towards West Pennsylvania or down uh-huh. West Pennsylvania towards West Southern Pines and see a pretty long way. And I've always enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just it's a, one of those. It's another opportunity to get a different perspective of things. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If you were experienced in yoga or lots of meditation. You took the forest therapy into the woods. Would that really be a sensory experience where you bring your mat, say, and you just would that be a maxed out kind of a um, benefit? I think that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm working on is putting together like retreats that would involve mm-hmm. forest therapy and yoga and maybe some drumming, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of herbalism, something like that, because I think that. Um, yeah, really bring all those. Really, any time we can spend in nature is going to benefit us. So, um, but to do, you know, to combine like yoga and stuff like that in nature is is just makes it even more enhanced. And maybe doing it at sunrise too. It sounds like oh, that would be awesome. Sunrise forest yoga. Yes, <laughs> if people want to <laughs> get up that early, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you may have listeners that have a certain interest in various destinations and so you could offer possibly tours to those areas and give them that guided experience so or things like that uh is that a, a goal or you know available for people to do that yes well i'm happy to talk about some places where i yeah, have guided yeah, right right <clears throat> one place that i really love to guide is at the Weymouth Woods State Park on the Boyd Tract. And I love the Boyd Tract because, well, it has both a meadow and a forest environment. So there's a, you know, yeah, long range, beautiful meadow. And then you can also get in under the canopy. Um, And there are old growth longleaf pine trees there which I would really like to emphasize to our listeners how incredibly special that is because the vast, vast majority of longleaf pine were all logged. It used to cover the entire southeast and 90-something percent of it was logged um, in the 1800s. And so to have a stand of old-growth virgin longleaf pine trees here just a few steps from downtown is truly a treasure such a treasure and that's also where the um what's called the world's oldest longleaf pine tree is located in that stand also so i love to take people there um in the past i've worked with uh, 
the town of Southern Pines, and we've we've got it on the the Whitehall track. That's a beautiful piece of land with mm-hmm. the pecan trees, and um, we've gone to Rassy Wicker. Um, was wasn't your first? Um, <coughs> I remember hearing. I think if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Your first. Um, Retreat. What? What would that? You, your called a walk. Yeah, your first walk. Your mm-hmm. first walk was on the Whitehall Tract. Is that right? That was one of the early ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So when I first started this, um, I had I was really supported by the Southern Pines Public Library. They were doing an entrepreneurship program that was part of a um, a pilot program from a um, like a state entity, and I had finished the. Um, the entrepreneurship program, which really was very inspirational to me because it taught me that anybody can be an entrepreneur. You don't have to have a, a business degree or, you know, if you if you see a need and you have what you can fill that need, then you can be an entrepreneur. And the Southern Pines Public Library was so deeply supportive. And so um, we worked with the friends of the Southern Pines Public Library to offer walks and we did them on the Whitehall Tract and we did them um, on the Boyd Tract and then we also did it um, at the um, Cameron or the Cam- I'm sorry the Campbell House um, in the Bamboo Forest back there too mm-hmm. but when I first started how I kind of launched it I was offering this experience free of charge to teachers and to healthcare professionals because it was during the pandemic and I just knew that these people were going to be carrying you know so much of the burden of the stress of this and um, I was like I've got to I just felt this real sense I've got to just start doing this and um, and so I started offering it for free um, to those folks as a way to kind of support them and, and knowing what they were what they were dealing with well you certainly offer a unique niche that is so i hope the listeners will learn from from being here and hearing everything you've said and i just think it's very exciting i'm ready to go into the woods oh Yay, me too. let's go Yay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah and thank you again for being here and if you don't mind giving us your website again yes i would be happy to my website is laurabethjones.com that is l-a-r-a-b-e-t-h-j-o-n-e-s.com and it's very easy to contact me there's a a form on the website that you can um fill out and it'll go straight to my email and then if you're interested in in booking we can um we can set up a time to talk i do have a couple of events coming up i'd like to share thank you yes so on saturday may 6th from 12 to 4 we are doing a ladies forest therapy retreat with the Pinehurst United Methodist Church. And that's going to have lunch and there's going to be a time of worship. And then we're going to do some forest therapy right there on the church grounds. They have beautiful grounds. I think we might be releasing this after that. Okay. Um, that's okay. Yeah. There will probably be another one. That I'm sure I'm I'm sure there will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on Friday, May nineteenth, 
I'll be partnering with the Wounded Warrior Project. So if you're affiliated with them, you can reach out to them. And that's going to be from 830 to 1130 a.m. on the Boyd Tract of Weymouth Woods. And again, I'm available um, for bookings for any type of group that wants to, that has a group to put together or that wants to put a group together to go out and to experience nature and forest therapy, Um, also called forest bathing. And there is one more little thing I'd like to mention to our listeners, because I know we have a lot of folks here um, that, you know, may have come from, you know, somewhere else. And... One of the um, the powerful aspects of this practice is that the history of our area here, like I mentioned, it re- when I moved here, it really um, struck me that this was a place that really appreciated that natural aesthetic and the value of nature. And Southern Ponds um, was developed by a man named John T. Patrick, and he bought uh, 675 acres of land in the late 1800s. And he had a vision of Southern Pines being a like a health resort where people could be healed by by breathing in the medicinal qualities of pine air. And around that same time, James Walker Tufts purchased, I think, close to 6,000 acres, which then became Pinehurst. And his vision for Pinehurst was a vision of of a health retreat from the respiratory illnesses that were caused by the Industrial Revolution and the urbanization that was going on up north. And he wanted it to be like a, a retreat for people um, to come and to breathe in that what they called it at the time pine ozone. They believed that it had healing powers. Now we know that it does. And um, then from there, you know, it became the the cradle of American golf. So this concept of really appreciating the value of preserving forests for human health and well-being, I feel like that's very much an integral part of, of this community's history and this community's legacy. And I hope that we can continue to preserve and maintain that for all to enjoy for all of our health for the generations to come, too. I hope the same. I hope that as we grow, and we've talked about this before with other guests, that it's important to have growth in an area, but to be able to grow, maintain the Mm -hmm. natural spaces and maintain the, um, on on another note, just the feel of community that we have here that we love from being here uh, is just, I think, uh, of the most, I think it's just so important to retain that and maintain that and kind of grow with that in mind. Mm-hmm. It's connection to the trees. Absolutely. And you're bringing it full circle. A, a wellness retreat yes. in your own home. Instead of having to come all the way from up north down here to Southern Pines, you offer that to us in our own home. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank y'all so much for this opportunity, Frank and Frank. This has been so much fun. Um, And I also want to encourage people to our listeners, if getting out into nature is is you know challenging another way to is you can bring some of it indoors too i see y'all have a little um plant on the desk over there we do we were very graciously gifted that by our last guest yes 
I'm hope. glad to see that. Me too. I was very happy. We try and get it around in the office, but I don't. I had yet to have any in my space here, and so I'm very glad to have that. Yes. And I think, um, sorry to cut you off, it is important to have them inside because they are fil- air filtration yes. natural, and the greenery yes. does um, give that experience inside. Yes, yes. You can always bring some plants inside, put some on your desk, or yes, anywhere. Get that smoothing feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Open the windows too if yes. you can. Mm-hmm. Look out the windows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every little bit counts. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank special. you, Frank and Frank. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks.